Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Get Your Go podcast. A lot to get into today. A lot to recap from this past weekend. A trade that was made last week between the Ravens and the Chiefs. Last week I talked about my AFC East needs. What teams in the AFC, what players should they be looking at and target to their respective draft pick. Today I will be highlighting the NFC. I will then get into my NBA top five. What else is going on in the NBA? Catch up on NHL, MLB, what to think of yesterday's Oscars, and the Falcon and Winter Soldier season finale. All that packed into this one podcast. So let's start at the top with the big trade news that happened last week between the Ravens and the Chiefs. The trade went went down was Ravens traded their superstar left tackle, Orlando Brown, who's been selected to the Pro Bowl twice, two years in a row. Their 2021, this year's fifth round pick, next year's sixth round pick, to the Kansas City Chiefs for the Chiefs' first round pick, third round pick, and fourth round pick in this year's NFL draft and next year's fifth round pick. This is a major trade uh, between teams in the same conference. Rivals, I was surprised. It didn't seem like Ravens were going to get a trade done or a deal done with Orlando Brown as he is set to hit free agency this coming offseason. So they were expected to move on from him. And I thought they got a great haul uh, for Orlando Brown. Uh, this year's first round pick, a third round pick, a fourth round, all in this year's draft. Kansas City gave up a lot of draft capital. They're strapped against the cap. Uh, so when you have guaranteed money for a first round pick, you might as well use that money for Orlando Brown and maybe work out a long term extension with him as the Kansas City Chiefs needed to refinish the revamp on their offensive line. This trade did it to me. Uh, Short-term, the Chiefs won this trade. I give them an A+. Uh, For a first-round pick, uh, you don't know what you're going to get, even though the Chiefs have hit home runs in the draft. Uh, Veach has done an outstanding job as general manager. Uh, But you're at least getting superstar production for a left tackle. You cut your left tackle, Eric Fisher. You replace them now. Your offensive line has no holes. You've got Orlando Brown. You re-sign Kyle Long out of retirement. We'll see what he gives you. To me, that's the biggest X factor. But you have Joe Thune as well as a guard. Uh, To me, your offensive line is much improved from what we looked at in the Super Bowl. So I have to give props to the Chiefs for getting this deal done. Protecting Patrick Mahomes, they try to get out and get Trent Williams uh, for the 49ers, who ended up resigning with the 49ers. Uh, they missed out on him. They didn't like the other options, so they traded for Orlando Brown. Big trade for them. To me, this kind of guarantees them going back to the Super Bowl uh, because this offensive line, can, I think, can hold up against 
a vaunted four-man pass rush. I thought it was also a good move for the Ravens uh, to get rid of Orlando Brown as they not resigning. So they do get a decent haul. The only thing out of curiosity to me is uh, you lose your superstar left tackle. You're expecting now to replace him in the draft as he has two late first-round picks. But to me, it's even more surprising uh, that you made a deal with your rival, the team that Lamar Jackson has described as your kryptonite, a team that you cannot beat. Uh, and if you're looking for success to trade a superstar to a rival who's expected to be in the Super Bowl every year, to me is very, very puzzling, very surprised by you know, the Ravens not just completing this trade with the Chiefs because you are getting a first-round pick. The Chiefs have a 31st-round pick. But guess what? There's other teams that need offensive line help, such as the Jacksonville Jaguars, New York Jets, Atlanta Falcons, uh, of sorts. And guess what? You don't trade for their first-round pick because they won't give it to you. But you could trade for your second-round pick. To me, what's the big difference if you're in love with a 31st-round pick compared to a 33rd? round pick or a 34 or a 35 to me that was most surprising now I know this could have uh, gone either way uh, with the Dolphins or may may have reached out to them uh, but we haven't heard anything about that Uh, but to me yes that's just the most surprising thing that the Ravens did uh, was trade a superstar to your rival in the Kansas City Chiefs, to me, it, it wouldn't matter if it's, you know, uh, out of division uh, as well, uh, such as the, uh, I mean, Jacksonville Jaguars also have the 25th round pick as well. Uh, Steelers need somebody. You could have, I'd rather have done, you know, a deal with your hated rival Steelers other than the Chiefs. Uh, so to me, that was the only puzzling move. But a plus for the Chiefs for getting this done. Uh, Ravens, I don't give them as high as a short-term impact. To me, I'll definitely give them a solid B-plus for making this trade, but this is more of a long-term thing. Uh, It's going to be surprising now with uh, less protection for Lamar Jackson. That's the only thing. Now moving on, the Cleveland Browns exercise their fifth-year option on Baker Mayfield at a price of around $18, $19 million to me. This is great to me. All quarterbacks should be getting uh, that kind of money, 18 to 19 I don't think uh, they deserve the $35, $40 million range because at least with this contract with Baker Mayfield, fifth one year, fifth option, you can still build a team around them. Uh, you have other players around that range of a 15, 10, all of them in the 10 to 20 range, you can still build a really, really great team around him. So that's the only thing uh, this year is really going to prove to the Browns with this money. Is he going to repeat his success last year when he took us to the AFC Divisional round or a few plays away uh, from going to the AFC Championship game? We're going to see if he can prove that. His statistics can go up. The eye test looks better. 
if all those things match up, you can definitely give him the same amount of money plus more as Baker Mayfield is looking to cash in. But it's smart on the Browns to exercise the fifth-year option to see him get paid, extend that rookie deal, and see what happens from there. You know I love the Browns. To me, Browns are right there. Uh, to me, top two in the AFC at the very least. Uh, top four, top five, depending on how you rank the AFC teams, at least in terms of talent and roster depth. I think the Browns are very capable of contending uh, after what the Chiefs did. I don't know about it, but you have to give the Browns a shot. Now, what do the NFC teams need? What players should they be eyeing in the draft? Wednesday, I will be doing my official mock draft. I already analyzed my AFC teams. Now we will be looking at NFC teams going by division to to division. And keep in mind, uh, this is not best case scenario, highest available for them. This is in terms of their draft pick that they had, the players that could be around, and that draft pick, what players they should be eyeing in correlation to their draft pick. For example, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the last round pick, uh, so it would be Silly for me to put Trevor Lawrence there or Devontae Smith as they are projected high first-rounders first overall. Uh, they will not be falling to Tampa Bay, just maybe some players that could fall to Tampa Bay, picks relative to their range, talent available to their range. So let's start with the Washington football team. I believe they're a good team. Good defense, decent wide receivers. What do they need? Well, they have a glaring issue at quarterback. They really do. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's not the man. Taylor Heineke's not the man. Of course, they have a tough draft pick because they made the playoffs in the week NFC East. So they don't get a high draft pick. But they still need a quarterback. If they were to make a trade, I think the trade they should make for it is for Trey Lance couple seasons removed from the 28 touchdowns during interception campaign. Mobile quarterback who can make runs. Uh, great arm power. A proven winner. To me, his game does translate uh, to this NFL type spread RPO that we're going through. Trey Lance would be great uh, to open up with Terry McLaurin. It wide receiver and Curtis Samuel as well. So that would be huge. Uh you also have Tevin Jenkins. You have a need for an offensive lineman to protect whatever quarterback you have in there. He would be a solid pickup. And also Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker as well. You have a good defense already. You're top four, all first-rounders, all great. To me, solidify the linebacker position like somebody like Jeremiah who can hang down that second level. That is huge. That is needed for the Washington football team. All areas and needs, all positions you can look for. Relative picks there or a big trade for a quarterback such as Trey Lance. So that's the Washington football team. Jeremiah, Wosu, Tevin Jenkins, Trey Lance, any of those things I think could help them uh, keep in contention in this NFC East division. 
Time for another NFC East team, the New York Giants, who are a game away from making the playoffs. What do they need? Well, they think they have their guy in Daniel Jones. I'm not sold on him, but guess what? In order to make a real decision, you need weapons. You need a guy out there to be that deep threat. And to me, the New York Giants should be looking at Jalen Waddell, wide receiver out of Alabama, best deep threat in college football. Also an electric punt return and kick returner as well. He could do it all for the Giants. Is your ex receiver as well. He could line up in the slot as well, run the deep routes for Daniel Jones. You have Saquon Barkley. You have an up-and-coming offensive lineman. This would help your team because you already have Kenny Galladay. You added him free agency as well. So giving him another wide receiver, you'll really find out if Daniel Jones is a guy or not. If you like Kenny G, you're stuck with just one superstar wide receiver, then I think you could draft defense here as well. Micah Parsons out of Penn State is to me the best defensive prospect in the game. Uh, Inside linebacker is huge. Rush the passer on third down. He's the all-around linebacker that you want on this team. On any team, he's a guy I think has Bobby Wagner type of talent. He's that anchor. He's going to be the signal caller for whatever defense there is. New York Giants could use that as another playoff push, either offensively or defensively. Now, what about the Dallas Cowboys? A team that signed Dak Prescott to a huge contract. What do they think they need? Well, to me, they need help on defense. You got Dak Prescott back. You have offensive weapons, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, Zeke Elliott. You need help on defense on a defense that was terrible uh, last year. One of the worst. You drafted Trevon Diggs, a cornerback, last year. He had a solid rookie season, but you need to pair that with another cornerback as you got torched by wide receivers against the run. All aspects to me. A J.C. Horn sticks out. Patrick Sertan. Alabama as well, if he were to fall to you. So to me, any one of those cornerbacks, top cornerbacks available, would be a huge necessity for the Dallas Cowboys. If not, you also need to protect your investment, such as Dak Prescott. He had one of the best offensive lines a few years ago, but with injuries, retirements, uh, that has been depleted from the best. So you could go after a versatile offensive lineman, such as Rashawn Slater, who's usually a tackle but can play the guard as well. And that would be huge to protect Dak Prescott. Any of those positions on offensive line or defense, specifically defensive back, will help this team out. Philadelphia Eagles, what do they need? Uh, This is a team that has missed out on wide receivers time and time again in the draft, uh, but have also drafted the wrong wide receivers as well. That's why, to me, a Jalen Waddle sticks out on their pick. They need a deep threat. If they are sold on Jalen Hurts being the guy, uh, guess what? You need more than J.J. Arcega-Whiteside on that team. You need a Jalen Waddle. You need a deep threat that uh, Jalen Hurts is accustomed to. A little familiarity with both of their time at Alabama. I think that would be huge. 
for the Eagles to get a guy like Jalen Waddle, Or also, they could go the defensive direction as well as they need a, a decent amount of help on the back end. I think Patrick Sertan would be a great pick as well from Alabama. Uh, you have Darius Slay, who you signed, but he has dealt with injuries. He's no longer the top shutdown cornerback he was four or five years ago uh, with Detroit. So drafting Patrick Sertan to eventually take that place uh, would be huge in terms of, of development. So either one of those, cornerback, wide receiver, needed for the Eagles. All of that in a tough division to kind of elevate yourself above your weaker opponents. Now, the NFC North, starting with the Green Bay Packers. What do they need to finally get over the hump and make it to the Super Bowl after four straight NFC losses, championship losses? Well, to me, they need a wide receiver a second wide receiver to pair with Devontae Adams. We see how good Aaron Rodgers was last year. His MVP season, this offensive line is great. They re-signed Aaron Jones. They've got Devontae Adams. They've got all the makings. They just need a solid number two wide receiver. Is I don't believe uh, Marquez Valdez-Gantley, Alan Lazard, Batiste, uh, that they're true. Number two wide receivers, those are all number three, number four guys, which you need, but they need a number two. So to me, Rashad Bateman is a big name wide receiver out of Minnesota. Uh, Great in both the outside and the slot. He would be the number two wide receiver. Also, Terrace Marshall out of LSU. Another great route runner. To me, similar to Devontae Adams. Uh, whose great hands as well is to me would make this pairing with Devontae Adams very, very formidable. Elevate this offensive level. See if they can be a number two wide receiver. I don't expect Justin Jefferson type of production where he kind of slotted in uh, with Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins, but I do believe this would elevate the Packers offense a lot more, uh, really be able to contend with the Buccaneers and what I believe will be probably a repeat of the NFC Championship game. So really, I think that will take them all to the NFC Championship game. Moving on to the Chicago Bears, uh, barely making the playoffs. Uh, Mitch Trubisky gone from that team after an inconsistent uh, tenure there. Uh, Nick Foles is left as the only quarterback option with much experience. Uh, need offensive line help. Lost to Keem Hicks. Need some defensive uh, rotational pieces as well. I don't see this team going back to the playoffs, but if they were to make another playoff push like last year, another offensive lineman would help to protect whatever quarterback you have back there. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, one of the best offensive linemen coming into the draft, would be a huge help. Jalen Phillips, defensive end as well, would be a great rotational, situational piece as well to pair in there with Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn. Uh, Again, I don't see this team making the playoffs, but if you protect your quarterback, 
you can get after the quarterback on the other end, uh, that's something you can take advantage of. Uh, that's something the Bears need. Minnesota Vikings, what do they need? Well, to me, it's offensive linemen, offensive linemen. Yes, they need defensive help as well. Uh, but Kirk Cousins getting older is taking a ton of hits. They're not also being able to uh, rush or uh, run block really well. Uh, Davin Cook is an elite running back, but you need to be able to pull blocks off to give him time and space. So to me, you have a plethora of offensive linemen to go after. You have Christian uh, Darisa, offensive tackle. He would be huge just allowing one sack last year in his final college career. Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle, offensive guard. Elijah Vera Tucker, another versatile offensive lineman who can play both tackle and guard, who I believe is the best ranked guard who played for the USC Trojans. Uh, this is a major issue for Minnesota Vikings. Yes, defense is needed. Uh, but they really need to go out and get offensive linemen as well. I believe Mike Zimmer can get this defense to a better place than they were last year. Now, finally, my somewhat Detroit Lions, who I love to root for. What do the Lions need? I already know they're not going to be playoff contenders. That's already a fact to me. That's in my head. But they need wide receiver help so bad. They need to help out Jared Goff there. To me, there are only two guys they should be looking at in this draft, and I believe at least one of them will be available when they select with a seventh-round pick. To me, this is not a trade you pick unless you get a great haul. But the Lions should be looking at two wide receivers, Devontae Smith, out of Alabama, and Jamar Chase out of LSU. Devontae Smith, no explanation needed. Heisman winner last year out of Alabama. Yes, people have said something about his small frame, his size, but don't let that mistake you as he has some of the greatest hands in football. His route running, uh, his speed as well. You're taken aback by it. Because it doesn't look like he's the fastest guy out there until he burns uh, your secondary. He is a do-it-all wide receiver who would help this team out a lot. And I think connect with Jared Goff right away. Then you also have Jamar Chase out of LSU. uh, Who opted out this past season. But the year before was the main wide receiver for Joe Burrow. Uh, who won best wide receiver that year with almost 1,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, uh, run after the catch. He's fast, elusive. Both of these guys would work Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase upgrade over this barren position that you have at wide receiver. uh, Or the only names I can think of is just Tyrell Williams and your tight end, TJ Hawkinson. So yes, the Detroit Lions need wide receiver help. To me, there should be no offensive tackle. Yes, they need offensive linemen as well. 
Uh, yes, they need so much defensive help as well. But to me, this is a star-studded early wide receiver group headlined by Devontae Smith and Jarmar Chase. You want to pounce on one of these options for the years to come. At least have a couple highlight plays in there to make Lions fans happy. And to me, that can be done with Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase. Moving on to the NFC South, New Orleans Saints. What do they need to do after a major rehaul uh, to stay in the playoff field? Which will be tough to do. Well, they lost some depth at linebacker with uh, Baum and Anzalone. Zayvon Collins uh, is huge. He would be a great offensive or outside linebacker slash defensive end uh, to switch in their opposite. Cameron Jordan, rush, rush the passer, can play a little zone as well. Uh, he'd make an immediate impact on this team as well. Terrace Marshall, a wide receiver. Yes, you have can't guard Mike Michael Thomas, electric wide receiver, route running great, was injured last year. So that brings up concerns this year with injuries. Uh, but then also, you need another wide receiver on that team. I don't think Traycon Smith is a number two. You no longer have Emmanuel Sanders nor Jared Cook. Uh, so to me, maybe looking at a guy such as Terrace Marshall uh, to give a quarterback there, whatever offensive weapons you need, that would be great uh, to either Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. But then if the Saints wanted to get crazy, I also believe they need a quarterback. I don't believe Jameis Winston is the guy. He's a competent quarterback, but he's not the guy. Uh, another competent quarterback that has Taysom Hill is kind of that Swiss Army knife uh, guy who, to me, doesn't really excel at throwing the ball you know, 40 times a game as Drew Brees could. So to me, making a big trade, getting splashy, getting Justin Fields would be huge for this Saints team. To me, that would actually keep him on track with the playoffs, uh, having that tandem of Justin Fields, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas. I don't see that happening, but they, to me, they need a quarterback. They could go out, trade, and get one. Then Zayvon Collins or Terrace Marshall, good pieces as well. Then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What do they need? Do they need anything after winning the Super Bowl, resigning all their starters? What do they need? Well, to me, their biggest need is defensive line. And to me, you could be like, are you crazy? Did you see Shaq Barrett, JPP, uh, Vita Vea, Nadama Kong Su last year? And I'd be like, yes, I saw them. And they were all great. But JPP is getting a little older. So is Nadama Kong Su. So I think Christian Barmore, defensive tackle out of Alabama, would be a great piece. Another great nose tackle like Vita Vea uh, with the three technique pass rush scheme. Uh, you could slot in and have both of them MBI inside. Two big run stuffers, but they could also get after the quarterback as well. That's huge for the Buccaneers. Uh, looking not only now, but into the future. And to me, also running backs is also another need. I'm not sold on Keyshawn Vaughn, even though Bruce Arian says he's up and coming. 
there's no true running back. And I believe that there's no true great running back on this team. Uh, Ronald Jones out of USC is not the guy. Uh, he hasn't been a reliable third down great running back. Leonard Fournette as well. He had his great playoff run. Uh, but both those guys have shown injuries. Uh, you know, running backs to me are the ones you don't hand out huge money to, especially later now off their rookie deals. And to me, that's happening now with Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones, to me, you could go after if Najee Harris falls to you. You draft Najee Harris, who is that third three-down running back. You could also go after Travis Etienne. Uh, similar style, but more of, I think, a good pass catcher as well. His big playability, his shiftiness, that would help out the Bucks as well. You could pair that well uh, with a Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Uh, take your pick. But most of all, to me, Buccaneers getting Christian Barmore would make this already elite scary defense that much more scary. Rounding out the NFC, or more on the NFC South, is the Carolina Panthers. To me, they need a quarterback. Yes, they still have Teddy Bridgewater on their roster, but to me, he'll be gone soon. They traded for Sam Darnold, but to me, Sam Darnold is not the answer. You need a quarterback with that pick. You can still get a good one. I'm thinking of a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields, a mobile quarterback who would fit in well with DJ Moore. In Robbie Anderson. That would be a nice piece. For you to have. If not. Micah Parsons. Best linebacker. Matt Rule the coach. I drafted heavily on defense last year. Some of it paid off with the Brian Burns. And you have Gross Matos as well. Uh, up and coming. Another Penn State guy. Micah Parsons. I think would be great. For this team. Moving on, Atlanta Falcons rounding out the NFC South. What do they need? Well, they could go two ways, I think, here. To me, I don't think they need a pass catcher or a Kyle Pitts because uh, you have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. It's too high for a running back, which they need. If you are not sold on Matt Ryan anymore, who is an aging quarterback uh, who's shown minor glimpses of his MVP season, but I don't think can replicate that anymore in his age. You go with a Trey Lance, that younger, mobile guy who would fit, I think, really well with this offense. Or you go after an offensive tackle, another thing of glaring need for you and kind of get the Pinay Sewell, who is one of the best offensive tackles. Again, didn't play uh, much last year uh, with COVID, but... He is a great offensive tackle who would protect Matt Ryan uh, and give him more options to decide what they want to do in the future with their quarterback. That's huge position. Now moving to the NFC West. The Seattle Seahawks have no first-round pick, so I really can't do any analysis. They really don't have any picks at all, so I can't do much with them. Same with the Los Angeles Rams. They've been giving up first-round draft picks like it's candy. So I cannot do an analysis on them either. So that moves it down right away to the Arizona Cardinals, who I believe 
should be looking at cornerback and cornerback only. Uh, your offensive set with Kyler Murray. You're going to have a decent running back tandem. Not one I'm sold on with James Conner and Chase Edmonds, but you have D-Hop, A.J. Green, Larry Fitzgerald if he returns, Andy Isabella, a good offensive line uh, with pieces like Rodney Hudson coming in. And you have Cliff Kingsbury, who to me doesn't really value the running back. If you watched his days with Texas Tech, he always just wanted one on there, but he was always the pass-happy, air-raid type offense. You know, I'm going to have my guy throw it 100 times, and that's what Kyler Murray was in Oklahoma. He was the guy, so their style sit perfectly. So to me, they don't need a running back. To me, it's need a defense. Patrick Peterson is gone. You signed Malcolm Butler, but he's never been a number one guy. You need a cornerback. So to me, it's either Caleb Farley or a J.C. Horn. If Patrick Sertan falls to you, great. But to me, it's going to be between Caleb Farley and J.C. Horn. Caleb Farley is one of the best cornerbacks coming up out of a draft. To me, J.C. Horn is just as good, but he's not that ball hawk, interception type of guy. So to me, Farley would be the guy, even with his kind of injury concerns. I would choose Farley, but you have great cornerback to choose from this draft. To me, Arizona Cardinals can definitely hit a home run here, elevate them uh, to the playoffs after just missing out by one game last year. They made moves in free agency to where this draft really isn't needed, but to them, they hit a home run on this draft. They're not only looking at playoff contention, but they're looking at division winners as well. Now my final team... The San Francisco 49ers. Who will they draft after that huge trade a month ago to move to pick number three? Well, it's looking like a quarterback, and to me, there's only two they can choose from. Mac Jones or Trey Lance. To me, I think Trey Lance is the guy. Uh, I like him a lot. I think he has tremendous star potential. He's mobile as well, uh, which is huge. Uh, to me, he can kind of do it all. He would fit in well with this Kyle Shanahan offense, uh, getting the ball to their speedy wide receivers. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, you're going to have Raheem Moster back. You're just going to have a fast team. Having Trey Lance as another dynamic piece as well to this offense, whereas Mac Jones, he is a great Pocket presence, great quarterback, but he's not mobile. I think Kyle Shanahan uh, likes that with a Matt Ryan type throwing the ball downfield, not doing much, but Mac Jones is not an athletic quarterback, whereas Trey Lance is the opposite and pure athleticism. So to me, you have two options right there. Uh, which one you want to go to? You have a proven uh, winner who could have been up for a Heisman who put up great numbers with great talent last year, Mac Jones, or you have Trey Lance who is a you know, FCS uh, phenomenon with a great team like North Dakota State. And I think both those guys will push this already great defense back into the playoffs next year, if fully healthy. So there you have it. Those are my needs for the NFC. That's what the NFC needs are for each team relative picks for their draft position. I will be doing my mock draft soon. Moving on. Now to the NBA, big news, 76ers, the Philadelphia 76ers, have lost four straight games in their hold on top seed in the East. They're now second. That is huge news. 
dropping back-to-back games against the Bucks, losing to the Suns after just beating the Nets and looking like they claimed the Eastern Conference throne. They lose four straight games, which is not good for them. I believe they need home court. They need the number one. Avoid a series with Milwaukee in the three matchup. Uh, they need to find a way to get that one back. It's no longer in control. They just need to win their games. Anthony Davis returned for the Los Angeles Lakers, but that did not translate to any wins as they lost to the uh, Mavericks. Looked good in the beginning. They were tied going into the fourth quarter, but they pulled away. Uh, AD has not looked good in his return with the Lakers as well in either games on minute restrictions. Uh, Hasn't found his flow, but it's good that he's getting integrated slowly, getting that connection back, especially now. Before the playoffs start next month, that is huge. Then Steph Curry breaking James Harden record, setting a new record for most threes in a calendar month. Uh, I believe with 85, still has another game in him in April to add to that record. He's playing out of his mind, averaging 38 points a game. This month, to me, he is definitely in the MVP conversation. To me, it was Joel Embiid with the Nets, or with the 76ers. He's tailed off uh, with four straight losses. That hurts his campaign. You had James Harden rolling there, but he's injured. Uh, You had Nikola Jocic, who's still playing really well. So to me, it's Jocic, uh, who's definitely under the radar. Uh, Great center, but to me, you have the flashy Steph Curry. To me, it's right there between those two men as MVP. Now to get into my NBA top five. Number five is the Philadelphia 76ers. Why? Well, they were just number two, so they dropped uh, quite a few spots. They're down there because they're losers of four straight. Their defense has not been good at all in those games. Uh, blown out by the Bucks, giving up 110 points to them, the Suns, uh, letting Steph Curry uh, shoot lights out against you. Uh, that is something they need to get fixed. I believe it will be done. Uh, they were just in the midst of a tough schedule. It gets easier, but with their length, I think they can definitely win some more games. The Los Angeles Clippers are number four. Why? Well, they're on a four-game winning streak uh, with players as Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka, Patrick Beverly, all out rotating out. Uh, Paul George has been that one constant, and that one constant has been great for them. Paul George has been great as he's been out to get revenge all season after last year's terrible postseason. He's successfully done that in the regular season. I will give him that, uh, no matter what he does the next few weeks. But is it will he have that same level of intensity Come the playoffs, that is the question. Who else dropped in my top five from last week? Well, the Phoenix Suns are now number three after back-to-back losses, after back-to-back great wins against the Suns and the Bucks. Uh, they lose to the Nets. I just can't put them above the Nets now. Uh, with that loss, uh, that hurts. Uh, but other than that, the Phoenix Suns have been playing great. They were just there with the Jazz 
Now two games behind. Now they have to really worry about the Clippers behind them. But to me, the signs I've been playing great with Devin Booker, Chris Paul the third. Number two, the Brooklyn Nets. Winners of back-to-back games against good teams such as the Suns and the Celtics. KD is back again. They're first in the East. After that terrible week by the Philadelphia 76ers, they are all back. James Harden is still set back, but Kyrie Irving, when he plays, is tremendous. KD, shooting phenomenon. It's six foot eleven. This is a team that can get it done, and I believe another team that would like to have home court in the East. Then, number one, which has been consistent, the Utah Jazz. Only team with a clinched playoff spot. Best in the league. Looked like they were hitting their stride without Donovan Mitchell before their most recent loss to the Timberwolves, before that, winners of three straight. Mike Conley subbing in great for him, playing great without uh, Donovan Mitchell plays well with him, but to me, even better without. Uh, that's why they're the number one team in the league. They're both balanced offensively and defensively. Can win to me without their most explosive offensive player, Donovan Mitchell. So there you have my top five. The Philadelphia 76ers, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Phoenix Suns, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Utah Jazz. Now tonight I will be picking a couple of games. First is the Suns and the Knicks. I'm rolling with the Suns. Why? Well, the Knicks are riding a nine-game winning streak. Congratulations to them. They're looking good at that fourth spot. But to me, the Suns have lost back-to-back games in a row. Their first time in a while doing that. I don't see them dropping three straight. And to me, kind of a must-need to win to keep that edge against the Clippers, keep pace with the Jazz. Suns will win this game, even though I expect it to be close, with Julius Randle and company rolling with the Knicks. Then you have the Dallas Mavericks going against the Sacramento Kings. I'm rolling with the Dallas Mavericks. They're playing well. Luka Doncic playing well this season. Sacramento Kings just not playing well. So I got to give it to the team at least playing a little bit better. That's the Dallas Mavericks. I'm rolling with them. Now some NHL talk. My Pittsburgh Penguins on a four-game winning streak, and first in the East. They have been playing great. They've been playing gritty. Tristan Jari has playing really solid goaltending. Their defense looks great after I thought they'd really struggle with Mike Matheson, Cody Ceci. Those two have looked really good. Um, I'm not going to give them all all-star, all-world props, but they've been really solid. Chris Letang, Ryan, Ryan Dumoulin, that combination... Jake Gensel, Brian Rust, Sidney Crosby, that first line is one of the best first lines in the game of hockey. Kasperi Kapanen back from injury. Jeff Carter acquisition has looked good. Jason Zucker on that line as well. Uh, Teddy Bluger's back. To me, you're just missing Brandon Tanev to finish that line with Bluger and Aston Reese. And then Jeff Car- or, uh, Evgeny Malkin. But Crosby, 56 points so far this season leading his team without Evgeny Malkin, without Robin. To me, it's Crosby for MVP with Patrick Kane fading off. Crosby is where it is at. He's been the rock for this team. 
all year long. I like Crosby for MVP. I like my Pittsburgh Penguins looking in at first in the East. What else happened? Nashville Predators beat the Chicago Blackhawks two out of three times, which I believe solidifies their fourth spot in the Central Division. Looked like that minor sell-off for Chicago was too much. Rolled them right out of the playoffs, uh, which sucks for them, sucks for my brother. Uh, but Predators look like they will be that fourth team now. And then three playoff teams have already clinched. And guess what? They are all in the West. They are the Vegas Golden Knights, the Minnesota Wild, and the Colorado Avalanche. Those are the only teams with clinched playoff spots. So now it's the battle for that final playoff spot. Who will it be? The Arizona Coyotes, the San Jose Sharks, the St. Louis Blues, all teams with you know tough schedules coming up. Who's going to win their final games? Who's going to get into the fourth spot? and play one of these teams and probably lose to one of these three teams, no matter who it'll be. But I will pick a couple games in the NHL tonight. First for Hurricanes and the Stars. Hurricanes are going first in the Central right now at 68 points. They've looked really good. Uh, But you don't want to sleep on the Stars who are playing desperate hockey right now. Uh, but to me, I'm rolling with the Hurricanes as I believe they want that first spot in the East. Don't want to play Tampa Bay or Florida in that first round. Then the Ducks and the Kings. Kings are not eliminated yet, but they are on the verge of it. But I believe they want to at least win another game, keep it in contention a little longer, which is why they will be beating the Ducks tonight. Final sports talk is MLB. The New York Yankees have finally won a series. Feels like it's been forever. They beat the Indians. Yes, they lost yesterday, but out of the four games, they've won 3-1. to one. Garrett Cole looking good. Odor, Hicks hitting shots in back-to-back games. That has helped this team as well. To me, their bullpen has been a little shaky. It's not the vaunted group that it was two years ago, three years ago. To me, that is definitely something they can look at to improve if they are not going to get another starting pitcher. And then the Padres won their series against the Dodgers, won three games out of four. Yesterday's thrilling Sunday night baseball. Going into the 11th inning, uh, Tatis, five home runs in that series against them for five five home runs in three days, uh, back-to-back games uh, with multiple home runs, he played like a man possessed out of that series, trolling Trevor Bauer, covering up his eye, Connor McGregor strutting on him. That's fun baseball. That's baseball you want to watch. Two young, good teams duking it out. Rivals, uh, South Los Angeles, Coast Rivals. This is great. That was a great series. Great news for the San Diego Padres to level up on the Dodgers. Now touching on the Falcon and Winter Soldier season finale. I didn't think it was the greatest finale or the greatest show. One thing I will take away is a great comic book accurate costume of Sam, the new Captain America. To me that costume looked great. U.S. Agent as well in his new black uh, suit with Val. 
it's going to be interesting to see their team up. Maybe it'll be in the new Captain America 4 that was announced with the same screenwriters. But to me, my get-your-go-take is this, is the Oscars last night. I was doing so well on my picks. I believe I was made all the major picks. I was 11 for 11 uh, going into the Best Actress. And Frances McDormand won, which was insane. Uh, beat out Carrie Mulligan, Viola Davis, and Anthony Hopkins. Beat out front runner Chadwick Boseman. That shouldn't have happened. To me, it was, to me, of course, I've been talking about Carrie all season. It should have been Carrie. Viola had a momentum. I couldn't believe that. Anthony Hopkins had a little rate, late rising star, but with Chadwick winning everything up to the BAFTAs, I thought, nope. But it was so funny now. Because we all talked about the BAFTAs and how with their new system, you know, you really don't count on it. But the BAFTAs proved it right. They got Nomadland right as Best Picture. Chloe Zhao, director. Anthony Hopkins was both winners in that. So was Francis McDormand. Daniel Kaluuya, Yu Jung Yoon. So really, the BAFTAs were the true predictors. And you see this with an international audience uh, now that uh, it's not all Americans is the voting committee, so it's more international. So to me, you see that with Anthony Hopkins, Francis McDormand. To me, it mirrored the BAFTAs uh, eerily. I didn't thought Nomadland might be not have won with them not winning cinematography, which I thought it was a shoo-in for. Uh, some of the editing awards and sound that went to Sound of Metal. So that was surprising, but really, that was crazy. And then also, not showing movie clips at all for any of it, just talking about the people that were in the movie. Uh, before you actually gave them a award, not really showing clips at all other than maybe three or four times. Uh, that was surprising. Uh, but this award season is over. Uh, crazy award season. Hopefully I have some no uh, stability next year. But this has been Get Your Goat. I will talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.